Hello, everyone. Welcome to the final episode of Woso Daily. I am Joey. With me today is Maddie and Ryan to recap the World Cup final after about 105 intense, intense minutes. Spain are champions of the world. A 29th minute goal from Olga Carmona sealed the deal for them. They hung on at the end, and it is Spain who lifted the trophy. So first of all, Maddie, who was in the stadium, how are you doing? Oh, I'm doing good. I'm very tired after last night, but it was an experience I'm going to remember for the rest of my life. So I'm feel like I'm kind of riding that high and really sad the tournament's over, but last night was just incredible. So I'm doing good. That's amazing. I'm so happy for you. That seems just an amazing, amazing event to be at. And like one of those kind of life lifelong memories that, you know, is never going to leave. Um, Ryan, how are you doing? I'm doing well, doing well. We've, uh, we finished the marathon, so we've, we've made it. How are you, Joey? I'm all right. It's crazy that, you know, tomorrow there will be no more Women's World Cup for another four years, no more podcasting, you know, every single day. It's crazy, but I'm so glad that we did this. I'm sure we'll kind of get into that right at the end as we sign off here. But let's just go ahead and jump in, recap this thing. We weren't quite sure how this one was going to play out. We thought Spain was going to kind of be that possession dominant team. You know, not, I think Ryan, you said this in the past, they don't, they don't know how to play any other way. Uh, And that's kind of what we saw. And really this was a game that Spain deserved to win front to back. They dominated the XG battle. They got that goal in the 29th minute. They actually missed a penalty that was awarded due to VAR in the second half. Really, this one was Spain's game and Spain's tournament, if we're being honest. Maddie, is that how this one played out to you in the stadium? Yeah, it, with exception to the first like 15 or 20 minutes when uh, England hit that ball off the crossbar, it just felt like Spain were dominant all over, and England never really threatened after that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the English had a good tournament, but it really seemed that if you look at this whole tournament in hindsight, and obviously hindsight is 2020, it was pretty easy to tell that this Spain team was a level above basically every other team in this whole thing. And really England, England didn't really put together too many amazing performances this World Cup. And in the toughest match of their lives, it was Spain that really showed up and, you know, proved that it was, it was their trophy. Ryan, again, it kind of just seemed like this was... Spain all the way, obviously outside that one, uh, that one chance off the bar. Shout out Spain for just being able to dominate in the way that we've talked about so often. And, and like you said, they can't really change, and it didn't really matter in the end. Yeah, I mean they, I mean the the game plan was just be Spain. I mean they didn't really do anything outside of what we expect from them. This wasn't a tactical masterclass. This wasn't anything like that. It was just Spain. Killing the game by holding out of the ball, moving it around. Maddie said that you know England had the best of the opening 20 minutes. And then after the penalty save, they had a, about five, six minutes where they looked like they had a chance to get back into it. But I think after was it Lauren James's shot was saved, nothing happened for about 20 minutes. They just kind of, like Spain just killed the game off. They 
kept the ball. They never really gave England a chance to build through the middle. They didn't do much on the wings. They didn't get the ball forward. Spain just kind of smothered them to death. Imagine being that kind of team who can just do that. I mean, that it must be so much fun for the Spanish fans to watch a team just go out there. I guess kind of like the U.S. has done in past years, but not really in that style where they just go out, they possess the ball, they use their movement and just pure soccer ability to thoroughly outclass an opponent on the biggest stage. That's amazing. Uh, I believe the official uh, woman of the match in this one was Carmona. Um, I think it is worth saying that just uh, after the match, I believe, uh, her father passed away. Uh, So in many ways, a heartbreaking day for her. But it was a goal that I think she will never forget and a day that she will never forget. And I hope that she's able to find solace in that. We, you know, send our thoughts and prayers uh, to Carmona and her family. Um, and outside of that, I think it was just a dominant performance from her and that entire Spanish backline to really, like you said, smother anything going forward for England. Maddie, did it ever really seem in the stadium outside of that one chance off the bar that England was really on the verge of a goal? Not in reality, but I really did have hopes after, uh, you know, uh, Hermosa missed that penalty that they were, it was going to light a fire for them and they were going to start threatening, but they just never really did. And I think, um, at least from my vantage point, something that really killed England was just the amount of giveaways in the middle of the park. It felt like they just kept playing square ball after square ball across the uh, either from the wingers or from the wingbacks. And uh, they were just getting intercepted by Spain's midfield over and over and over. And England just could not handle it. And besides just the energy boost that happened after Herb saved the penalty. No, it's just, it never really felt like they were, they were truly threatening. And um, I thought with 13 minutes of stoppage time, especially that they were going to pull something out. We made a lot of subs and um it seemed, and you guys can correct me if I'm wrong because I'm not listening to the the broadcast, but did they do a formation change at one point? It looked like they went to a, from a five-back to a four-back, but I wasn't sure. It was just kind of like what it looked like from my vantage point. Did y'all notice that? Yeah, they switched to a four-back, I think, around halftime. It was pretty early in the second half, if not at halftime, they made that switch. Yeah. Yeah, so I thought, you know, at first I was like, okay, well, you know, Beekman's showing some urgency with that, it seemed like, and on a lot of the subs she was making, I was thinking, like, wow, this is going to be the spark that they need, but it just it just never really happened. So, yeah, never really felt like it was, you know, pushing into England's favor, but, um, yeah, Spain were just dominant. They controlled the game. How did the, uh, the vibe in the crowd progress over the course of the game? Did, did you feel like the ebb and flow of the game or did you kind of just feel like it was a pretty steady Spain crowd? It was a pretty steady Spain crowd, but I will say that their fans seemed like they were really concentrated. So like, you know how sometimes like the families and the supporters sit on one side of the stadium, right at halfway, but almost in like two separate sections, right at the halfway point behind the players benches. So that was on the opposite side of where I was. And there was this one area that was so heavily like dense with all Spain fans. So I felt like they were 
so loud uh, the whole game that it just made it seem like Spain had the heavier presence there. But I say overall, the fans that I saw there, there were a lot more England fans, but the, but yeah, the, the mood and the cheering, it was, it was pretty consistent um, throughout the match. And it, yeah, it didn't really seem like Spain or England fans ever really let up and up until the end. What a vibe. Like that must've <laughs> just been incredible, right? It was, yeah, I can't even really put it into words. And I, I was talking to my, my friend that I came out here with this. I was so bummed when the U S got eliminated because the final yesterday was on my birthday. And I was like, First of all, going into it with the U.S. thinking, like, if we lose, it's going to be the worst birthday ever. But then we didn't even make it to the final. So I was thinking when we got knocked out, I was bummed. I was like, what is this going to be like? Like, I've never gone to a big game like this, like, as a neutral, you know, where I didn't really care about whatever team won. Um, but it didn't matter. It was, it was absolutely incredible. The atmosphere was amazing. We met so many people in front of us, behind us, to our sides, afterwards, partying in the streets. They had DJs till like 3 a.m. Um, it was just, it, it was unlike anything I've ever seen before. And the amazing thing was too, is like all the English fans, they were still partying in the streets after the game. Like it didn't ruin it, you know, for anybody. The atmosphere was just, it was incredible. I think Australia and New Zealand did, did an amazing job planning and just executing this tournament. It was incredible. Yeah, it really seems like that. I saw a tweet in the Discord. I can't quote who it was from, but uh, that you know, compared to FIFA's original projections, the crowd number was up by about five hundred thousand across the tournament, which is amazing. Uh, Maddie, just as a quick comparison point, have you ever been to any match? Kind of, you know, not a World Cup final, obviously, but a World Cup match or like a big women's match before. When I was really young. Um, I went to, well, it's not international, but I went to the, um, I'm not sure if it was the WPS or what it was when the San Jose cyber race existed (laughs) and I went to a final game as a kid uh, with that, but no, never a big international match. It was the WPS final was probably the closest thing to it. But so yeah, this is my first experience. Okay, I only ask because it just seems like women's soccer has just, I don't know, even the last four years exploded to just new heights. And I think that was clear at this tournament, at least from a TV you know, viewer's perspective compared to even France, which was a great tournament, or Canada, which was a great tournament. But this seemed to just be on a different level. Obviously, 32 teams helps with that. What a tournament all around. I guess as we start to wrap up and you know think of this as a, from a tournament a uh, wide standpoint. It was Bon Mati who won the golden ball. Ryan, in my opinion, that's totally deserved. Uh, do you feel the same way? Yeah, I can't think of anybody besides her who was more um, influential in the result of the tournament. You mentioned that you think Carmona was named the player of the match. I think the player of the match was uh, Mary Earps. She was incredible for England. The Penalty wasn't very good. Like Carmosa doesn't take good penalties, but she knew where to go. She smothered it. Made that absurd kick save off of uh, the deflection off of Batier. Got in the way off of um, uh, Caldente's shot early in the second half. So as much as Bonmati uh, deserved the golden ball, I think Earps deserved the golden gloves more than anyone deserved any award from this tournament. Yeah, she was really good. Um, shout out to her. 
And I mean, to be fair, shout out to an England team that I think this was more analogous to the U.S.'s run in that there wasn't any like crazy domination in the knockout rounds for England, but they just kind of got the job done all the way until the final, obviously, and they ran up against uh, a really, really good Spain team, and that's nothing to be ashamed about, I don't think. I don't think they lost in a way that was humiliating, per se. They just never really got a foothold in the game, and that kind of showed. Uh, but I guess for England, um, quickly before we, I guess, we recap this tournament that was for Spain, Maddie, I don't know how many of England's games you were at, but it does seem like there was, you know, quite a wave behind this team really persisting from that Euro victory through, you know, up until this final. Yeah, definitely. And I think you could see that in the support and also just in the consistency in the players. And despite the fact that they have been just plagued by injuries in the same way that we have, that they were still able to, like you said, get through the tournament, not with a lot of dominance, but with, you know, just enough to get the results, obviously right up until the end. Um, I think that speaks a lot to Wiegmann as a coach, um, but also just the morale that they got from the Euros and the confidence. Um, I don't think this is the last we'll see of them. And, you know, having success in major tournaments, it sounds like Wiegmann's going to be around for a while. Um, but same goes for Spain. Um, <clears throat> and I'm just overall just so looking forward to the fact that we have a new winner, you know, somebody that's never won the World Cup before. And the game is as competitive as ever. And that's amazing for women's soccer. And so, although I'm still bummed that the U.S. has been knocked out, this is going to make us so much better. And we're going to come back with better competition and um, hopefully better roster construction. <laughs> uh, and yeah, give England and Spain a run for their money in 2024. I'm really looking forward to it. Yeah. I, I think this tournament, like you said, kind of by osmosis, will make the U.S. a stronger nation and obviously uh, make women's soccer stronger as a result. Ryan, um, two words you know, for you, kind of one for this England team and kind of their run over this past year, like Maddie said, just getting the job done. And then another for the Spain team that I think is certainly more nuanced than we can provide in this podcast or in just the, these last couple of minutes. But certainly a team that the soccer is beautiful, albeit the off the pitch is not, you know? Yeah. I think the, I guess the parting thoughts for each individual team um, is that England are the frauds we thought they were. Um, what a bunch of losers, just you no know, bunch of losers and congrats <laughs> to Spain's players and only their players. Nobody else. Yeah. Yeah, I don't really know how to think about Like, obviously, congrats to the players. And I kind of came down in the end of this one is I really want Spain to win because I think that these players deserve it. And I think what a story it is that these players, you know, found a way to overcome the nonsense from the Federation and the nonsense from the coach to be one of the more dominant women's soccer sides we've ever seen in the most competitive environment that women's soccer has ever had. I think that that speaks volumes about them. Maddie, do you kind of feel the same way? And I have to imagine that was kind of the vibe among the really, you know, the true women's soccer fans in the crowd is good for the players and no one else. Yeah, there were definitely a lot of comments being made about Bilda. 
and I think, yeah, that's that's kind of what the vibe is like. Let's lift the players up who are pushing through the most difficult of circumstances and excelling in spite of their coach. So I, I definitely think that was the vibe, and I am really proud of them. It did make me sad to think of players like Mappy Leong, who, you know, should be on that team, uh, who, you know, stuck stuck to her guns and and didn't, you know, I don't, I don't actually even know the process, what let the players come back after sending that original email to 15 players that, that complained about it. But, you know, I can't help but think of those players and what they're feeling. I have to imagine they're extremely excited for their teammates, but also feeling like, you know, the spot was taken from them and they stuck stuck up for what they believe in. And it's just a bummer they couldn't be there. Um, but, you know, Vilda did make some comments after the game. I'm not sure if y'all saw about we're going to celebrate and then we're going to what my future looks like as the coach. I'm paraphrasing. Um, but so I don't know what that means. I don't know, you know, if that means that he's considering resigning or what that looks like. It seems a little odd to do after a World Cup. but. Um, yeah, overall, I think that that just speaks to not only the quality, but the morale of the players to to pull this win off. Um, yeah, despite all of the all of the off the field drama with the coach. Yeah, and to me, if that tells us anything, it just shows like what what could the Spain team have been if they weren't run by abusive monsters? You know, look at that globally. What could Jamaica be if they didn't have reggae stars daughters funding their programs because their fa can't what would zambia be if their coach weren't abusive what would nigeria be if they paid their players like what what could this game be if we let the if we got out of the players way and treated them with respect and dignity what could this sport actually be yeah i i was gonna go to you for kind of the final thought on this tournament ryan I feel like that's kind of it, right? Is that kind of your overall message from this tournament? When the players play, amazing things happen. So get out of your get out of their way, give them what they need and let them showcase their amazing talent. Yeah, I mean, we we see what the teams can do when they're given the chance and if we actually give them a chance, and I'm going to quote Diaspora United, it's not a talent gap, it's an investment gap. And when the teams get invested in, they thrive. And even when they don't, they still find a way. Look what Barbara Banda can do when her confederation and her FA are actively working against her. What could she do if they supported her? What, yeah, what, what could this game be if we let the women and the players in the women's game, women, non-binary, whoever plays this game, what could they do if we let them? Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that that's a really powerful message, and I think that's going to resonate. Um, Maddie, as someone who was there for the knockouts, who saw all these matches in person, you get the final word of Woso Daily. What has this been like? And your final thoughts on this amazing, amazing tournament? It's life changing. You know, I, I think I'm very privileged in the fact that I, I grew up in the Bay Area and I always have women role models in soccer and in sport in general to look up to. I, I, I never really had that experience that I've heard from a lot of, you know, women who've been interviewed around the world, but they didn't, but they didn't have those role models growing up. And I always felt like I did. And it was so prominent in the area that I was, I was with this national team was always so prominent. 
I didn't know about the, you know, social and pay inequities as a kid, but as I've grown, you know, older and learned about them, it's, it, it seems even more prominent today only because it's finally getting the attention it deserves. And I, I think that this tournament and the record attendance uh, and just the performances and how much, I don't like saying the gap is closed, but it, it, it really has. And in terms of just the level of play, and it's just so inspiring. My favorite part about the whole tournament was not only seeing the little girls in the stands, but the little boys. There were so many little boys in the stands who were, you know, starting the Aussie, Aussie, Aussie chants and just so excited and pumped to go to these games. And that's, that's the impact, you know, um, that really just gives me so much hope for the future. And, and it really puts my privilege in perspective. Cause like I said, I had, I had these role models growing up and just the realization that a lot of these kids don't have that. And now they do. And it, the game can only go up from here. And I'm just, I'm so excited. Yeah. What an amazing tournament. What, what an amazing month for the sport and not just the sport on the women's side, the sport on the men's side. We've talked about this. Scuff talked about this. These things are not, you know, exclusionary. There is carryover. That is one side of the sport increases. The other one does too. This tournament and this past month will lift the tide, not just in women's soccer, but in world soccer in general, in such a way that I think it can only be a good thing. 32 teams, all the fans, all the money flooding into the sport is at an all-time high. It is only growing. The sport is only going to be made better. So it is on all of us as fans and on the federations and on the players to continue this, you know, uninterrupted growth that the sport has experienced over the past, you know, decade and just over the past year, over the past month and prolong that into the future and make this thing just an upward trajectory of growth uninterrupted because right now that's what it seems to me. And it seems like the, you know, the boundaries are limitless for the sport. And that is just an amazing thing to see. Even more amazing for, like you said, Maddie, everyone around the world who might not have the privilege that we've had in the United States of having women role models, of having Title IX and certain, you know, pay, you know, even more, uh, a little more equity than you have in other places. I'm not going to say that we're perfect in the United States. But certainly around the world, it is not perfect. This tournament has made it just a little bit more possible and a little bit more imaginable that we can be in a better place for sport in general. And that is amazing and a testament to the work that's been done over generations in women's soccer. So it's really, really amazing. And we can celebrate Spain as champions, but I think it is even more uh, important to celebrate the growth of the sport in general, because that will be the lasting outcome of this tournament. Not one trophy, but for the generations to come, this tournament will have way. It, it has already made waves and will continue to make waves into the future. So it's really incredible. Maddie, thank you so much. You've been a late stage addition to this podcast, but I could not have imagined doing this without your insight and your on the ground knowledge. Ryan, thank you so much for all the expertise you bring, all the knowledge of the women's game, and just, you know, the countless hours that you've poured into the sport and this podcast. 
Thank you, Tara and Claire and John and Greg Velasquez, of course. They aren't here today, but they've been massive, massive parts of this podcast as we've kind of, you know, trudged through this last month and have now sprinted to the finish line. This is the final episode of Well So Daily. We are done now, but I think I have been extremely, extremely glad that we have done this. I think this has been one of the you know experiences of my life, being able to put this together and really highlight the women's game in this monumental tournament. So thank you all for your hosting. Listeners, thank you for listening and you know, asking us uh, questions, telling us where we can improve, you know, sharing this podcast. It has meant the world to me, it has meant the world to us, and it has allowed us to grow and become hopefully the podcast that has been listen uh, listenable and something that you have enjoyed showing up on your feed as the days and the months have gone on in this tournament. So thank you so much, listeners. Thank you, Maddie, and thank you, Ryan. Thank you all for hosting. This is the end of Will So Daily. There will not be a next time, but thank you, thank you, thank you for listening. We'll see you.